friends, you've now entered the Man Cave Podcast, unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items, like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave, and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-V and Toys and Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. This episode of the Man Cave Podcast is a Dan Casper Show instant replay. Segments from my radio show, the Dan Casper Show, replayed right here on the Man Cave Podcast. Enjoy. Packers, Bears going at it sunday we get a noon game on sunday how about that that's that's a positive maybe there too so but uh yesterday before we get to kind of key matchups and keys to victory and and all that fun stuff uh, we had some position coaches and coordinators catching up with the media a little bit there what is what is joe barry had to say about his defense specifically with that uh last game on uh, Sunday night, he said, or, you know, talking about that game on Sunday night, I don't know if I've ever played a game where there was 50 runs on missed tackles. It was every guy. I scratched my head a little bit at the lack of uh, tackling. He was asked if he felt that uh, the players were defeated or even quit. Quote, I would never say that about our guys. I definitely don't think it was a lack of effort. Uh, Barry says that he's had sleepless nights wondering why this Packers defense hasn't reached its potential and expectation this season. He can't target any one thing for its failings. But uh, also saying that uh, he stands by his by his process. Quote, the last thing I will ever do is second guess anything. Sure, there are times in a game you'd like a specific call back. But as far as second guessing anything... I'm not wired that way. All right, well, sleepless nights, not second-guessing anything. It's, I, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, I think, uh, the, the writing, the writing's got to be on the wall, right? When the season's done with, it's just got to be. You'd think it would be, but I don't know. Uh, Adam Stenovich also chatted a little bit with the media, and he was asked about uh, Christian Watson. And the the emergence of him, and uh, is it just as simple as getting a perimeter weapon? You know, and and kind of like, well, we saw the Packers put up some big points, you know, against against the the Eagles and, and that sort of thing. But he was asked, you know, is it just as simple as getting a the offense's emergence? Get as simple as getting a guy like Christian Watson a perimeter perimeter weapon? He answered simply, "Yep, it's that simple." I. Followed up by saying, uh, he says the offense starts with execution in the run game, but need perimeter playmaking to balance that out. When you can do that, and you have a guy outside who can take the top off the defense, it's that simple. That simple. There you go. That simple. Uh, Tom Clements talking about Jordan Love a little bit, uh, saying his footwork, rhythm, and getting the ball off time is where he's grown the most in this uh, his third season. He's uh, process, His processing speed 
was much more fluid than a year ago. Things are starting to slow down for him a little bit. So that's just uh, that's just a little bit from some of the coordinators and and position coaches catching up with the with the media there yesterday. So, all right, we got uh, Packers Bears. Maybe it's the last time Aaron Rodgers will face the team that he owns, part owner of. Who knows? In Chicago, who knows? But um, when you look at it with this whole keys to victory and and key matchup sort of thing, I think it's pretty darn simple for for the first key matchup in this thing is are you going to be able to stop or at least slow down Justin Fields and his legs running the ball? Are you going to be able to do that? Now, I know he's coming off of a shoulder injury. I don't know if I would, you know, I I think it's one of those hush-hush talk about it, but maybe Packers, defenders targeting him a little bit and, you know, trying to make it a little bit painful for him when they they bring him down. If they can bring him down, that might be the bigger question there. But there's no doubt, I mean, coming off of what we saw against the Eagles and Jalen Hurts and that sort of thing. That's that's the number one thing with Justin Fields. How are you going to slow him down with him running the football? Looking at his last few games here, just just running the football. Okay, if we go back, let me actually. I might have to expand this thing. Uh, but when we're looking at just running the football for for Justin Fields, if we go back to that uh, October thirteenth game. Against uh, against Washington, that was that uh, Thursday night game, right? Yeah, because we were doing uh, doing the bourbon testing that night. But that's maybe when they kind of unleashed Fields a little bit more running the football. Twelve carries, eighty-eight yards. Following week against New England, fourteen attempts, eighty-two carries, or fourteen attempts, eighty-two yards. Dallas, eight carries. 60 yards, seven and a half average. Then against Miami, he exploded 15 attempts for a buck 78. Detroit, 13 carries, 147. Atlanta, 18 carries, 85 yards. That was his last game on the 20th. Didn't play last week. So we know that's that's priority one, but what how do you do it? How do you do it? What do you do? You put a spy on there. Okay, you put a spy on there. Who do you want to put on there? Of this Packers roster, who are you putting as a spy against Justin Fields? What do you do? You're looking at his passing attempts during this stretch since Washington the most. He hasn't even attempted to throw the ball 30 times. The most was 28 against against Miami. That was kind of that shootout game where they lost 35-32. to the most passing yards he's thrown since this uh since this uh you know that Washington game was the Washington game 190 yards otherwise you're talking a buck 79 buck 51 buck 23 167 153 so yeah i think we uh, we know it's like well make him throw the ball but how do you do it how do you do it with what we've seen with this packers defense with uh with how they've played 
ironically, when you kind of look at it in terms of uh, rushing yards by Justin Fields, the team to, to hold him to the fewest amount of rushing yards was Green Bay in week two. Eight carries for 20 yards. Bit of a rushing touchdown that game, though. And uh, his shortest run, seven yards, Green Bay. That was week two. So, I mean, I, I guess I don't take a whole lot from that. But I mean, I think you you know it's it's probably they're gonna have a spy on him. But but who? Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, if he's playing in this game, do you put two guys on Justin Fields to kind of spy on him? Can you afford to do that? I think the one big thing though too is like just you got to play discipline on fo- on on defense, right? You got to play discipline. Discipline to football, staying in your lane, staying in your gaps. You know, the edge rushers, maybe not over-pursuing as much, trying to collapse the pocket instead of over-pursuing so he can hit the edge. In the middle, you know, the front, the defensive front, clogging up those lanes, clogging up those gaps so he can't step up and just have free reign. I mean, for goodness sakes, how many times did we see on Sunday against Against Hertz, where it was like, where's the nearest defender? 20 yards away, 15 yards away, it seemed like. It was just like when he was running the ball sometimes on the sideline, you didn't even see a defender in the dang picture. It's like, where the heck is what? What? I mean, come on. Given what we've seen against Philly, Justin Fields might be able to eclipse a thousand yards rushing. He's at 834 right now. (laughs) I don't want that to happen. I don't know. I mean, do you put two spies on the guy just to play it safe? What? (laughs) It's kind of mind-boggling, but you hope that maybe Green Bay got a little bit of a taste with with Jalen Hurts and... Because you look at, if we go back to like the, uh, let me bring it up for for the second half against Philly. When they tried to make Jalen Hurts like throw the ball a little bit more. And I know Collinsworth was kind of talking about it uh, during the game too. You know, it was like the the Packers defense just a little bit, you know, trying to make, Jalen Hurts throw the football, trying to keep him contained there a little bit. Yet, I mean, Miles Sanders was having a day, and they still couldn't get off the field for crying out loud. So, you know, great. Still couldn't get off the field. But, yeah. I just, can this be like a shootout type of game? I, I don't know. Looking at the the Bears defense, could this I mean Packers offense, can they can they build upon, I guess, from their performance against Philadelphia on Sunday night? Can they build upon that? That was the most points that they scored this season. I mean, they had thirty one against Dallas in overtime. But can they what can that? What else can they do to to build upon that? If if Romeo Dobbs plays in this game, I I want to see Dobbs and Watson on the field quite a bit. Now maybe they just have a pitch count and a snap count, 
on on Romeo Dobbs in this, which probably will be the case, I would have to imagine. But I want to see those two guys log some snaps together and see if this Packers offense, I don't know, maybe can move the ball a little bit more consistent through the air when those two are on offense. But when we look at this Bears defense, if we look at uh, in terms of passing yards, and again, I don't necessarily like looking at this because it doesn't tell the whole story. But when you look at it, Bears are sitting at about, oh, maybe bottom th- halfway. Yeah, about halfway. Middle of the pack in terms of yards given up, total yards given up. But if we break it down to just yards per attempt, which I think is maybe a little bit more telling than total yards given up through the air, because I mean, you've got some teams who, you know, have played every single game so far, like Green Bay and, and that sort of thing. And I don't necessarily like because that doesn't tell situational football, right? It doesn't tell you everything. But if you look at yards per attempt, Bears are second worst in the league on uh, on defense in terms of yards per attempt on on passing. The only team that's worse of them is actually the Vikings. In fact, the three worst teams in the league in terms of uh, yards per attempt on passing defense, Lions, Bears, Vikings. 7.5 for the Lions, 7.6 for the Bears, 7.8 for the uh, for the Vikings. Completion percentage, Bears towards the bottom, they're allowing 67.4% in terms of uh, completion percentage. You want to look at sacks, Bears, tied for worst in the league. They've only gotten 16 sacks so far this season. The the team they're tied up with, Raiders. Interceptions. Well, when you look at it, Bears are actually... uh, but yeah, they're actually a middle of the pack, a little bit higher than halfway through. They're they're better than than Green Bay by one. The Bears have uh, gotten nine interceptions this year. Packers just eight. So, I mean, you know, you look at some of those numbers and you're thinking, okay, Green Bay's offense, you you know, you should be able to protect Aaron Rodgers. Bears can't, you know, they've struggled to get after the quarterback. Uh, you know, you should be able to maybe throw the football because they're second worst in yards per attempt at throwing the dang football. You got Christian Watson who's playing at a high level. You know, maybe, just maybe you could move the ball through the air a little bit. What about running the football? Can the Packers run the football against the Bears? Well, the Bears are the third worst team in terms of uh, total yards given up on the ground. 1,727. You know who the worst team is in the league right now? That, that, that would be your Packers. 1,857. Compared to the number one team in the league, the 49ers, who have only given up 874 on the ground. Packers have given up nearly a 1,000 more yards on the ground. And I get it. Packers have another game under there, but still, okay, add 200 of that. That's still ridiculous. Yards per carry, 
Bears giving up 4.7 on the ground. Green Bay, 5. Yes. So you're looking at it, you're thinking, okay, Green Bay should be able to, you know, at least move the ball consistently against Chicago. But the thing is, is like, is this Packers defense going to be able to, they're going to be able to get off the field on third down? That's the main thing. Can they get off the field on third down? I don't know if they can or not. I mean, rushing yards, you're talking about, okay, so Packers have allowed the most rushing yards in the entire league so far this year. The team that has ran the ball for the most yards in the entire league this year, Chicago. Chicago has ran the ball for 2,304 yards. The next closest is actually the Falcons at 1,920. Who's attempted to run the football more? The Bears at 430. The next closest is the Falcons at 390. We're talking 40 more attempts. And yes, that does include Justin Fields on there, but still, dude's effective at running the football. You've got the worst team at stopping the run against the team that has ran the ball the most this year and has accumulated the most rushing yards. Yards per carry, Chicago number one, 5.4 yards per carry. So my thing is, okay, Packers offense, you might be able to move the football on this Bears defense. You should be able to, but the thing is, how many plays are you going to get on offense? How many snaps are you going to get on offense? Can this defense give you the ball back? Raise your hand if you have any confidence whatsoever if it's third and eight, and I don't care if it's Chicago, but raise your hand if you have any confidence when it's third and eight and Green Bay's on defense that they can get off the field. I don't have a lot of it. I don't. That, to me, might be the, the deciding factor in this thing. Scoring might be at a premium. So if you're on the Packers' offense... You might have to do your darndest to try to score a touchdown on every possession because you know what? How many times are you going to get the ball back? How many times are you going to get the ball? How many snaps? How many plays are you going to be able to get? If your defense cannot get off the field. Scoring might be at a premium because of that. Can this defense... Slow down the running attack of Chicago. Can they slow down Justin Fields? You know, I'll be curious to see what the plan is for Chicago, knowing that Fields, yeah, he's a little banged up with that shoulder, right? We know that. Last week, Matt Eberflus, head coach for the Bears, mentioned, you know, that the reason he was kind of out was like, couldn't protect himself. Can Justin Fields protect himself in this game? I'm sure they'll have something on there, a little protection and that sort of thing. But, you know, when he takes that first hit, and maybe a defender kind of, you know, drives that shoulder in a little bit. Will he play a little apprehensive or not? What is going to be the game plan for Chicago and Luke Getze for, for Justin Fields? Are they going to try to protect him a little bit? Are they going to play a little passive, a little bit of a safe side so they don't injure him worse or, or ding him up or re-aggravate anything? Or are they just going to be like, 
do your thing. Because if he's out there doing his thing, I don't know if that backer defense can slow him down. I don't know if they can get off the field. You know, when it's like third and eights, usually you just kind of tee off and go after the quarterback, right? Try to bring him down. You do that against fields. We saw it against uh, Hurts and such, but, you know, if you're not playing, if you're not containing your lanes or your gaps or you're over-pursuing and you're giving the quarterback the option to step up and run, they're going to take that and they're going to pick it up easily. Family-owned and operated, Toys and Ford is proud to serve the drivers of the Chippewa Valley with some of the most popular vehicles around Wisconsin and the country. They're committed to giving drivers from across the area the best in customer service with a top-notch selection of brand-new vehicles to choose from, as well as an extensive inventory of pre-owned crossover SUV and trucks. Plus, with their expert finance, service, and parts centers in-house, they strive to be your one-stop dealership for all of your automotive needs. Visit them today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa. Falls. Catching up with our good buddy, Mr. Uh, Doctor, I should say Dr. Crow, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Do you have a good Thanksgiving, Dr. Crow? Yeah, excellent. Awesome. Do you have any luck in the woods? I did, yeah. I was able to take a pretty nice nine-pointer, so pretty happy with that. Oh, come on, man. That's two in a <laughs> row. Oh, I, I got, know. i got a hot streak going. I know. I'm going to have to go with you next year or something like that. So. There we go. Come on out. <laughs> hey, uh, let's uh, chat uh, a little bit with, with the Packers. So, Aaron Rodgers, there was reports that he has an avulsion fracture on on his thumb, and I feel like we've been hearing about that type of injury for for the last couple of years. Was is is that the same type of fracture that Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson had with uh, with their thumbs? It's the same type of of fracture. Yes, the the problem is is avulsions can occur anywhere on the bone, and it, and it, that's the biggest variable with treatment. That and the size. So it depends. Generally, in a, so just to take a step back, what is an avulsion fracture? An avulsion fracture is where the bone breaks, where either a ligament or tendon inserts in the bone. And when stress goes through the joint, either the tendon or the ligament holds tight. And instead of the ligament or tendon tearing, it basically pulls a piece of bone out. So think of it like you, you pull a weed out of the ground. Sometimes it takes a big chunk of dirt with it. Same concept. So um, it really depends on what ligaments involved or tendon. In, in the setting of fingers like this, it's usually ligaments that'll do it. Um, so, you know, it depends on where he got hit in the thumb, which side, if it was an injury on the inner side, then you'd really have some concerns about how it might affect his grip strength, but clearly he was able to continue to play. So it may have been in a different part of the thumb, but obviously they, they really, you know, as usual, they're tight lips about exactly where it's at. So it was, you know, he didn't miss any time. So, you know, it's hard to say exactly where it is, but sometimes they're like these tiny little flecks. And they just represent essentially kind of like a ligament injury. In that case, a lot of times you're able to kind of support the film. Like he obviously had it taped um, and, and that uh, he was able to clearly play through. But you do certainly wonder how it would affect his grip strength. And that's obviously critical with throwing a football. Right. So, I mean, you know, he's been saying that no surgery hasn't been talked about. It's not on the table. Uh, is, is that like, would you think that's 100% on the up and up? Like, is he fully telling the truth there or, or is that again, kind of related to it depends on where that fracture is or how it broke? Yeah. I mean, there's variability, right? So, I mean, I I would tell you in a throwing hand on the thumb, if it was big enough to warrant surgery, he would have gotten it right away. So my assumption is it's a relatively small one or it's on the opposite side of the thumb that it doesn't affect the grip strength. So those would be more likely to be treated conservatively or not without surgery. 
Um, so, you know, just this type of injury, generally, if you're going to fix it, you're going to fix it acutely right away, um, whereas you wouldn't want to sit on it and wait through the season. So I, I do suspect that it's something that they're going to plan on treating without surgery the whole, the whole way through. But, again, I mean, you know, the bit of it's guesswork because, you know, if it's bigger. But, again, on the throwing thumb, it just you wouldn't, wouldn't put, slow play that. So, to me, if it's big enough to need surgery, they'd have done it right away. Interesting. And then uh, he suffered a rib injury that uh, made him miss the, 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 the end of the game. Uh, he's returned to practice. He said he got good results from the scans. So I'm assuming that means nothing is, is broken or anything like that. Would you assume that maybe it's a cartilage issue? Yeah, it could be a rib contusion. So that's another possibility. Um, or it could be, you know, cartilage at the tip of the ribs. Um, uh, those are both possibilities where they're not as dangerous. I mean, whenever you actually have a broken rib, there's always the potential for further problems. The biggest, scariest one being, of course, collapsing a lung, where essentially the, the rib is broken, right? So the bone is like a sharp end, and that sharp end pokes the lining of the lung, and that's how you get um, a pneumothorax or, or quote-unquote punctured lung. So um, if, he, if he doesn't have that, which it certainly sounds like, you know, they, they didn't say specifically, they just said, you know, good results, or I think whatever term he used, um, it suggests that it's probably not a, a fracture. Interesting. Uh, the other quarterback that's going to be going up uh, against uh, the, the Packers this weekend, Justin Fields, who missed last week. He was a full participant in practice yesterday, so it looks like he's going to play. But uh, he, Fields uh, last week described the, his shoulder injury as a separated shoulder with torn ligaments, quote, basically an ACL joint injury. Can you explain that a little bit for, for us? Yeah, so, you know, the AC, we've talked about the AC joint several times um, uh, through the years, but essentially, you know, where you have your shoulder, the glenohumeral joint on the side, the collarbone or clavicle comes over, and it kind of acts like a strut. And so that, the AC joint is basically like part of the supporting structure on the shoulder. And so generally the injury occurs when, when the shoulders are driven into the ground. So we see a ton of this, like hockey players get it a lot because they get driven into the ice or the boards. Uh, but you can certainly see it in football players as well. So what happens is the ligaments around there can get injured. Now, um, like we've talked about in the past, there's like all injuries, there's different levels of severity. So if it's just a mild injury of the ligaments that are on the AC side, um, those are low grade and people are able to play through them. And often, a lot of times we'll inject that joint, get them back out there because it's very safe. It hurts, but it's safe to go back out. Once you start getting the higher grades, meaning grade twos and grade threes, now you've injured both the AC ligaments, but also the CC ligaments, which are the stabilizing ones. So that's where the clavicle actually pops up. And so those are much more significant. And those are the ones that you have to treat usually with some rest and potentially surgery. Um, and so there was a lot of miscommunication early on because he came out and said he dislocated his shoulder. So a lot of people thought it was actually the ball and socket joint, but as, as the news came out later, it turned out it was the AC joint instead. Um, and so, you know, looking at it, it's, I believe it's his non-throwing arm. Mm -hmm. And so um, that certainly plays a role in how he's able to get back. But as we know, he's, he's uh, a mobile quarterback. So that, that's going to be a bigger part of his game than maybe some quarterbacks. So I, I, generally speaking, though, if it's a lower grade injury, they're basically basing it on symptoms. And if he's feeling better, he's going to be able to get out there and play. That's what I was going to kind of ask, too, because it is on his left shoulder, but he is a running quarterback. I, I got to imagine they're going to put some extra – can they put some extra protection on there to, to kind of protect that? Yeah, or? yeah, you can put an extra pad across there, but ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, you can't – you know, it's not like a, an MCL you can put a hinge brace on to truly support it. You can just kind of pad it. I mean, if you're talking about actually, you know, concerned about re-injuring or worsening an injury, there's unfortunately not a lot you can do on that end. So, 
um, you know, if he takes a direct blow to the top of that shoulder, he run, it runs the risk of taking it from whatever grade it is to a more severe grade. So I'm sure that's in the back of their minds as well. And they want to see, see how he feels. But, um, I think, you know, it's going to, again, my, my assumption is that he has probably like a grade two. And so that's really going to boil down to, you know, when we see athletes that we say, Hey, we're going to keep you out until you have good strength and good range of motion. And then once you feel better and have that strength of motion, you're back. And so, some people that's a week or two, some people it's a little longer, and that's that's probably how they're playing his. Do you think if it was on his uh, throwing shoulder that he'd probably be maybe out a little bit longer extended time? Yeah, absolutely. That motion certainly loads the AC joint, and it would just be more symptomatic. And I mean, having a little twinge in your in your non throwing shoulder doesn't matter as so much if you're trying to deliver a pass and you're you're not able to perform. I mean, that's going to affect your throw, and you know you don't want your quarterback throwing Aaron throws the field has enough of that problems as it is <laughs> so uh dr crow inside the training room uh dr crow from chippewa valley orthopedics and sports medicine joining us here this morning uh another big injury was uh von miller uh the other day so von miller on his podcast uh said that he was going to be back by by week 14 if you remember thanksgiving he got hurt with in uh in detroit again the the turf issue came up again for a lot of people but just yeah. yesterday uh, the the Buffalo Bills put him on uh, injured reserve, which means he's going to miss at least four weeks. Miller said that he did damage to his lateral meniscus, but he believes he but he believed at that time he could play through it. Is, is that something that's that's possible for a guy like Von Miller to play through a an injury to his lateral meniscus? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, so meniscal tears are very common, right? So this is it's probably one of the most common injuries that we treat in sports medicine. Um, and the meniscus, just a quick refresher, is basically kind of like a little horseshoe-shaped structure of fibrocarls that sits between your femur or, or your thigh bone, your tibia, which is your shin bone. So it's kind of like a shock absorber. Um, and so when, so when people get tears, most commonly they get a little rip on the inner part. And those are the ones that will classically cause like a catch or click and hurt. And those are the ones that we usually will scope, remove, and we let people get back pretty quickly. Um, more significant injuries will be peripheral tears. And those sometimes we have to repair with sutures um, and fix them up. And those are the ones that people um, will miss, you know, anywhere from probably, you know, 12 to 16 weeks on, on the recovery side. Um, now, there are a couple of variants of injuries that that'll be what we call um, meniscal capsular injuries. So that's really on the far edges, the junction between the meniscus and, and the edge of the joint where they hit it. And it doesn't fully tear, but it's definitely injured. So we'll see this a lot of this edema and fluid on the MRI scan. And so it's clearly been injured, but it's not unstable. And so you basically give it some time and it heals in. Um, like all things, again, there's different levels of severity. If it was ripped all the way through, he almost certainly would need surgery. And then that would have, that would have, that'd be season ending. So clearly it wasn't to that level. Um, but if it was more of a, a contusion where you just need it, it's like a partial tear essentially, you can ride those out and then, and then, you know, see exactly how it, how it recovers. And as soon as he's feeling better, you can get him back. Those guys are probably going to get serial MRIs. I mean, to most patients, they don't get a second MRI to evaluate it, but an NFL player, they might. So they may do a couple-week gap and then re-MRI and see what it looks like as far as healing is concerned and then potentially get them back. And maybe they were discouraged with how he was recovering because, yeah, they did kind of flip the script on it and say, yeah, I'm going to be back, and all of a sudden, boom, you see him on IR. So that was definitely a change in how they approached it. Yeah. Uh, last question for you uh, goes to your team here. Andrew Booth, your uh, your, your corner over there. Now he underwent knee surgery. And at that time there was still a little bit of unknown. Could he play yet this season? But after the surgery, they said he was, he's done for the year. So 
you know, when you when you do that for for knee surgery, like what do you look for in terms of like when you know, for lack of a better word, when you open them up or something like that, what do you look what are you looking looking for that could help determine whether a player is maybe going to be out longer than what the the scans? Because I'm assuming they didn't see everything that they want to see on like MRIs or something like that, right? Yeah, MRI, yeah, exactly. MRIs are good, and that, that's perfect. That's a perfect example. I was going to bring them up. So when you compare those two injuries, so like Von Miller's, his was going to be kind of a, a peripheral injury that's probably a meniscal capsular contusion. Um, when you look at Booth, his tear um, required a repair, which in, in essence is a good thing. You want to repair the meniscus if you can, which means you suture it back, and if it heals, it's back to a normal meniscus. But sometimes you go into a surgery not knowing exactly if it's going to be repairable. So back to my description of where the tears can be. If the tears occur on the inner part of the meniscus, there's really no blood supply. So it has to do with its position and the orientation of the tear. So you can have tears that run kind of through the edges. They can run straight out, called a radial tear. They can be oblique. But if the tear ever comes all the way into the central part, it really is generally not a fixable tear because there's no blood supply. So I always tell my patients, it's like trying to sew rocks, uh, sew two rocks together. No matter how tight you um, sew them together, they're not going to heal. So we can't fix those ones. So my guess is his MRI was inconclusive as to where exactly the orientation of the tear was. They got in there and they said, hey, this peripheral tear can be fixed. They put stitches in it, which in, in, in the spectrum of his life and probably even his playing career is a good thing. Obviously, this season, not so much. So he's going to miss it. But they were able, I did see that they were able to repair it. So then when you repair it, now you have to protect it. Whereas if you just cut it out, there's nothing to protect. So we let those people come back as soon as they feel comfortable. So that's really the big fork in the road is that can you fix it? You always fix it if you can, which in the short term means longer time out, but in the long term means, you know, better meniscus tissue. He's Dr. Crow. Love your conversations, buddy. Appreciate the time as always. And, uh, hey, have a fantastic week. And let's do this again next week. Okay, sir? Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking? Those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's High V in Eau Claire, located at 2424 East Claremont Avenue. Let's go through. So we got uh, we got a game starting tonight uh, with this. It's championship weekend. Can we call it championship weekend? Conference championship, Conference championship weekend. Okay. Uh, Utah, USC. Number 11, Utah. Number 11, USC. Who are you riding with tonight, 7 p.m.? I... I'm going to pick USC. I will say this. I like Utah. Mm-hmm. Like, I like Cam Rising as a quarterback. I think Kyle Whittingham's the most underrated coach in America. Like, Utah's just been very good for a while. Yeah. But I think just too much USC. You know, Utah beat them, but that was a home game. Like, you know, it was a home game during the year. Like, I, I just think I just think USC's too much, and they, they fight on into the college playoff. All right. I'm going to go with you, too. USC gets the W. Kansas State at TCU. Now. Uh, because these two teams have played each other before, can uh, they uh, TCU beat Kansas State thirty-eight to twenty-eight uh, a few weeks back? Uh, I'm gonna go TCU. All glory to the Hypnotoad. I think can you know Kansas State's a very like they're a tough team to face. You know, mm-hmm. Chris Cleveland's done a really good job there. I mean, it seems like he's about the first, the only coach besides Bill Snyder that's had any success at Kansas say, State. Yeah. 
But I just I think too much TCU. I think they understand the opportunity they got in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point you're not you're never overlooking anybody. And I think after that Baylor game where they realized they kind of, you know, they 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 pulled one, you know, they pulled one out. Maybe they they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I I think they're full speed ahead. Yeah, I'll go TCU in this one too. And that one's tomorrow at eleven o'clock. Uh yeah, eleven o'clock right that's away. Nice, that's a nice sports day tomorrow. It is. Really is. You got that. You got hoops. You got the. Yeah. You got the World Cup. You got U.S. Yeah. versus the Netherlands. The Netherlands. Yep. Yeah. Nine a.m. Oh man, make a day of it. It's supposed to be really cold tomorrow too. So there, there you go. go. Make a day of it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Toledo at Ohio. Ooh, Mac. Maction. By the way, why isn't this game on like a Tuesday night? Toledo at Ohio. Yes. It's championship, man. Uh, but come on, I'm gonna go Toledo. How dare you? We've got Eau Claire people that are on that coaching staff for Ohio, man. And Peter King's from Ohio. Graduate from Ohio. Tyler Russ, Medford player. Graduate uh, went to play football for the Ohio Bobcats. I'm going Ohio Bobcats. Ohio Bobcats, man. It's in Detroit, too. The Robert Cats. <laughs> uh, let's go with uh, Coastal Carolina at Troy, just because it's Coastal Carolina and you and I have a love of We love the Sean Leclairs, the yeah. fancy chickens. Yeah. Um Jamie Chadwick's a popular name in the coaching uh, uh, wheel now. Mm-hmm. Now that you know we've kind of seen some of the first ones fall, he might. You know, people are wondering if he's going to be there. I'm going to take Troy. How dare you? I'm going Coastal Carolina. Always go with the fancy chicken. <laughs> LSU at Georgia. Uh, Georgia, I think. Yeah, I mean, LSU. Look, LSU's they they sprung some some upsets. They've been better later on in the year, but man, yeah. that that A and M loss. That's tough, and I mean, you got to be firing all cylinders to beat a team like Georgia. Yeah, Georgia dogs. Do you? I you know there was I, I think I saw this somewhere where somebody was like, "Oh, does Georgia? You know how much effort do they put in us, knowing that they're probably?" But the seed is a big thing. You want isn't the one, it? like yeah. yeah, you can't, you can't be looking ahead like, well, do we want if we lose? And we, no. And besides, like you want your you want to be playing well. Destiny. You want to be playing well, yeah. like. What happened? You know, you don't want to sit Stetson Bennett for three quarters of a game, and then suddenly right. you go in that playoff game, and then you haven't played in two or three weeks or a month, actually. Yeah, like that's just no. You you, Herm Edwards, play to win the game. They work out ultimately <laughs> so well for him in Arizona State, but you play to win the game. <laughs> uh, UCF versus Tulane, number twenty-two. UCF eighteen Tulane. I am all in on the Green Wave. I want to see the Green Wave in a New Year's Six Bowl. Ooh, okay. So I, I'm I'm going Green Wave, and they're Tulane awesome. just beat uh, Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, right? They did, so. and and Tulane and their awesome new logo this year. I'm seeing. Well, I think yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, the green. You're right. It's like an angry looking wave. I like it. <laughs> it looks like it was made in the '80s. Too. I know, and that's why <laughs> I like it so much. Like it's just yeah, it, it's got an old look to it. Purdue at Michigan. Michigan. I, I'm I'm happy to see Purdue in the spot. Like just to see someone a little bit different, you know. Jeff Brom's a good coach; he's in a good spot there at, at Purdue. Michigan's uh, favored by seventeen. Do they cover? Any yes. concern about a hangover from last from a Ohio State? I just think they're that much better. Like mm-hmm. Purdue has a no. Purdue has a history over the years of knocking off number two teams. Yeah, but that's not happening here. Okay, Wolverines. Kind of weird how a year has changed when it looks like Jim Harbaugh might be coaching the Vikings. And yeah, well, I'll come back to that. Okay, <laughs> I thought I because you're yeah, I, 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 yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Clemson at North Carolina, Clemson nine, North Carolina 23. Clemson, another one coming off a, a tough loss to South mm-hmm. Carolina, but so is North Carolina. They lost to NC State. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go Clemson. Like, I think, I think, uh, Luke May or Drake May, 
sorry, Luke May is a basketball player. Drake May for uh, North Carolina is a really good quarterback, and I'm still not entirely sure what what Clemson has a quarterback, but I just think Clemson's a better team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Clemson, too, on mine. So, All right, let's move to the NFL. Let's uh, – well, we had a game last night. Buffalo beat New England. Got Mac Jones barking at Matt Patricia on the sideline. No, I mean, Matt Patricia may not know what he's doing. Did you see, was it on the ringer or was it an athletic thing the other day where it was like, hey, maybe, just maybe, Tom Brady might come back to New England next year? I'm like, oh, my God, we're doing this. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it with Aaron. We're doing it again with Tom Brady. I'm like, good Lord. Um. I feel like if we had to pick between the two, which one is more likely to play for a different team? It's Tom Brady than Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yep. I, I would agree. 100%. Okay. Uh, let's go Pittsburgh at Atlanta. Pittsburgh. Given that this is an Atlanta game, it's going to be close. Do you want to know the line? Sure. I'm, I'm kind of curious what the line's at here. Um, ooh. Even at Atlanta, Pittsburgh won. Favored by one. I'll take Pittsburgh, and I'll take him to cover then. Ooh. It's going to be close, though. But I, I, no I, Kyle I Pitts. No Kyle Pitts. Like, yeah, I just, I'm, I, I'm feeling Pittsburgh here. You know what? I, I was gonna go Atlanta, but I think I'm gonna go Pittsburgh too. I think I'll go Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll save that one. Let's go Jacksonville at Detroit. Detroit. The yeah, team this is actually an interesting game. Now. It is. Yeah, this has got a little bit of juice to it. But yeah, I'm gonna take Detroit. You wanna know who's favored in this one? It's at Detroit, Jacksonville. Really? By one. And that makes that easy to take. Oh, so we got some game interesting road road games uh, where the opponents are favored by or the road teams are favored by one. I like it. Uh, we'll save that one towards the end too. Washington at New York again, kind of an intriguing game here a little bit. And you know what? The Giants are home, but Washington's favored I was by two say, and a don't half. Don't look now. The Commanders are playing really well. Yeah, Taylor Heineke is rallying the troops, but I'm gonna take the Giants. You gonna take the Giants? Demon. Um, I think I picked the Giants too. So, and I don't think Chase Young is playing in this game yet. Yeah, he's still, I mean, he's on the comeback trail still. Yeah. So, uh, I will go with the Giants, but I think this is a sneaky close one. Mm -hmm. Very sneaky close one. Let's go with uh, Tennessee at Philadelphia. Tennessee coming off the loss, Philly coming off the win, Philly favored by four and a half. You know, Philly's run defense has been kind of suspect here in recent weeks. And obviously, you need run defense when when you play Tennessee. But I'm still going to take Philly. I just think Philly's a better team at home and at, at, and at home. Yeah, I, I think that defense gets after Ryan Tannehill. You know what? I think I'm going to go with Tennessee. Ooh, I think uh, they're going to control the 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 time of possession a little bit. I think they'll do a better job at containing Jalen Hurts than what Green Bay displayed on Sunday nights. So I, I think uh, I might go Tennessee this one. I'm going to go a little upset. I'm going to go a little upset. The AJ Brown Bowl. That is right. Yep, that's right. So I think Mike Vrabel, I wasn't sold on him last year, but I think Mike Vrabel is a pretty pretty darn good coach. Yes. So uh, let's go with uh, Denver at Baltimore, which should have been a great game. but Yeah, this is one of those at the start of the year. It's the battle of can Baltimore give it away versus can Denver actually take it. And this is a, this should tell you something. Baltimore's favored by seven and a half. Or no, excuse me, eight and a half. Man, I'm going to take Baltimore, but... I don't think they cover. Yeah, I'll take Baltimore too, but they don't because they're they're going to make it close at the end. You know, they're going to like let it somehow. They will for the first time in a while. They will be the ones that let that Denver offense kind of look like it might have a spark. Yep. All right, the Deshaun Watson game, Cleveland at Houston. Uh, Cleveland is favored by seven. 
I'm going to – interesting. I'm going to take Cleveland. Um, even look, even if it wasn't Deshaun Watson, you know, Jacoby Brissett, I thought, did an admirable job filling in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cleveland, I think, is just better. I mean, the Houston team is just not good. No. Uh, yeah, it's Cleveland. I, they don't even have enough to make it. You know, you get the whole – They could well, just run – So-and-so's I mean, coming back, motivation. Yeah, but, but, you, I mean, you could, but they could just run with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. And it, you know. Uh, how, how the world has changed too. Seattle at the Rams, Seattle, even on the road favored by seven. I'm taking them. I mean, it doesn't sound like Aaron Donald's going to play like, and, you now know, this, and the Seattle team, they kind of come back down a little bit these last few weeks, mm-hmm. but I still think they're better. And I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I'm going Seattle too. I don't know there. Let's go with, uh, I think. The best game of the weekend. If, if it's what I think you th- what you're going to say, I would agree. Miami at San Francisco. Yep, I'm. I would. I'm. This I, is going to be a really uh, interesting game. I agree. The speed of the Miami offense versus that San Fran defense. The Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel Kyle Shanahan, going at. It. I I'm loving the clips of hearing Mike McDaniel mic'd up. Have you Have you been hearing some of them? I, I love it. I love. It. I think he's <laughs> he he seems like he's a player's coach right now. Like he's yeah. got the the attitude and that sort of thing, but yeah. gives Tua a hard time. What was the one that's like, couldn't sleep the other night, so I was YouTubing you. He was telling Tua this. Did you see that one? No. It's like I was, you know, YouTubing you and all that sort of stuff. Your 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 mechanics or something was garbage. It was trash. <laughs> I'm like, wow. All right, I love it. So, uh, but right now you got San Francisco favored by four. So a little bit more than being the home team. Yep. I'm gonna take San Francisco. I mean, obviously, a lot of people had this opinion, but San Francisco suddenly, to me, is a very, very dangerous team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I think we—I mentioned it the other day. Like you, obviously, with Minnesota, you'd like to see you know Minnesota in the Super Bowl. But if we had to take our favorite teams out of it, I think a San Fran Buffalo Super Bowl would be a lot. Of fun. That'd be a fun Smash Mouth game. Yeah, yeah, that would be make it '90s Buffalo Dolphins in the AFC Championship, Cowboys 49ers in the NFC Championship. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> If we could get Summer All Madden from Beyond the Grave to come back for a day, yeah. that'd be great. Yep. But I'm going to take 49ers in this one. I think their defense is able to slow down mm-hmm. uh, Miami enough. I'm going Miami. Why not? The speed of their wideouts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Miami. Mike McDaniel. I'm a big fan of his. So I just I'm, I don't know if I fully trust San Francisco quite yet. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Uh, another great game. I mean, this is kind of turning into a rivalry. With some trash talking going back and forth, Kansas City at Cincinnati. Um, you know, Cincinnati has kind of quietly turned things around. Mm-hmm. You, they, they're also, I think, kind of a, a bit of a, a sneaky, dangerous team in the AFC come playoff time because they're starting to get healthy. Yeah. Um, I think their defense maybe is better, but Kansas City, even I'm, on the road, Kansas City. Kansas City, uh, a little revenge from last year yep. there. So I'm going to go Kansas City uh, in this one too. How about? Oh, I just lost my uh, schedule here. Where'd it go? Oh, here we go. Okay. So Chargers at Raiders. Uh, Chargers. I'm going to go. Two teams obviously coming off of uh, big wins last week. Uh-huh. You know, LA, like, they're kind of in a, a weird spot because they're, you know, they're, they're still very much in the playoffs, but they're not really firing on all cylinders. And you're kind of wondering sometimes what they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's a whole Sean Payton thing out there a little bit. Like, yeah. But I, I, I'll, I'll take Chargers. I'm going to take Chargers in this one too, and I don't know how the hell this one didn't get flexed out. But. I, there were, I mean, there because there were. I mean, we'll get to another game that there was some. They were wondering if I had heard some discussions about it, but yeah. I mean, we'll get. 
Colts had that, and I know it's the Cowboys, but I mean, come on now. The Colts, the Colts, Colts were just had, in Monday night, and or yeah. in, we're in prime time, and it didn't go great. No. Colts at Cowboys, do I need to ask? Dallas. Dallas, okay. Uh, was this the one you were talking about, Jets in Minnesota? Yep. Yeah. Kind of a, you know, you definitely want to see Mike White? In prime time. In prime time. Yep. But, um... This was yeah. This was one that there there were kind of some moments because I mean it is a it's kind of a, a sneaky mm-hmm. interesting game. It is. Um, I'm going to take Minnesota. I think this follows the, the path of a lot of the Vikings game this year in that it's a one score game because yeah. I think that D line for the Jets can really cause some problems. Doesn't sound like Christian Darrisaw is playing. The interior of the offensive line for the Vikings has been mm-hmm. pretty suspect, even though they held up pretty well against the Patriots. I will take Minnesota, but I, I think it's like a. 20 to 14 kind of a game. I think Mike Mike White actually makes this a game going up against that pass defense of yours, but I'm still picking Minnesota. But like you, it's really close. Like yeah, 17, it's a competitive, 14, yeah, it's a competitive game. Yep. Uh, Green Bay at Chicago. Um, I'm going to take Green Bay. I, you know, the the whole, it sounds like, I mean, Justin Fields fully practiced. Sounds like he's trending towards playing. Mm-hmm. Um, And after seeing what Jalen Hurts did last week, it's, it's very tempting to look and say, hey, they couldn't stop Jalen Hurts. Can they stop Justin Fields? Yeah. I think they do just enough. I think you saw some signs of life out of that offense last week. That do you think Justin Fields gets over 100 yards rushing? Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's it's always a tough thing to say with a quarterback, but mm-hmm. yes. But yeah. I do think Green Bay, their offense does a little bit more. Plus, I don't know how, how good that Bears defense is. Yeah. So I I, I will take. The Green thing Bay. is, if they can't if. If Green Bay's defense can't get off the field, Chicago's defense doesn't have to do a whole yes. lot either. Then that, that just might be it. This might yeah. be a game where the team that holds the ball more wins. Yeah. yeah. Or gets or finds a way to get a couple turnovers. What was that game like a couple years ago between Minnesota and Green Bay? It was like it was like every time that each team had a possession, they scored, but it was long drives. Yes. You know, that sort of thing. Yes. So, so it might be one of those games where you don't want to score too quick. Yeah. Yep. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. And a reminder, never miss an episode of the Man Cave Podcast by subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast. We're already on your favorite podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. And don't forget to give us a solid rating too. That way other people can find the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we'll see you in the Man Cave.